What is going on, everybody? It's your boy Marshall live, and I am live, and we are back with another episode of the Marshall Gillen Show. Today's guest, Tracy Taylor, is a badass in the St. Louis area. She is the hostess of the Egocentric Podcast and owner of Fido Fit, a dog training business. She's been an entrepreneur offline for years. She's been crushing it. And you all know, if you haven't seen this show before, maybe you don't know, but if you have, you do know that the reason that the Marshall Gillen Show exists is I want to share conversations with you about leaders who have turned their mess into their message and have used that message to fuel and propel themselves to the levels that they wanted to reach in life, in business, and in a relationship. And I know that we all get an opportunity to see so many cool influencers online and they're talking about their zone of genius and they're sharing about their zone of genius. But unfortunately, we don't get the inside scoop on what's going on inside their minds very often. And that's exactly why this show exists. So let's bring our guest on today, Miss Tracy Taylor. Hello, Miss Tracy. Hey, Trey Carter. Still following, following this page. It's good to know, brother. Sorry that... Uh, you got mad at me for talking about money. Hey, how's it going? Dude, it's going so good. It's, I'm so happy to have you here, to finally get a live on and uh, to dive into your mind and kind of share a little bit about some of the questions I have when I see your content. So before we get into all of that, just tell us who you are and where are you tuning in from? Oh, so I'm Tracy Taylor. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm the host of the Egocentric Podcast. Where are you at? You, what, is, that, is that your house? Are you really like living in a mansion or something? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> yeah, that looks good. That Christmas tree looks awesome. Maybe I should go stand by that. I don't know. I like it. You had the chandelier in the background with the mirror reflection. And I was like, you look like you're in a grand hotel or something, man. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like my fireplace, too. I love it. I love it. And it's perfect. Is that your dog it, above it? It is. Yeah. What's the dog's name? Grump. Grumpy. Okay, so l let me ask you something. So you have a dog named Uhtred. That's right. Okay, so obviously you're a fan of The Last yeah. Kingdom. Yes. Okay. Okay. I just got to say, for everybody that's watching and listening, if you do have spare time, because I know in the beginning, Tracy, when I started off as an entrepreneur, I like to pretend like I didn't do anything besides hustle all the time. Oh, so yeah. Like I, used to I used to pretend like I don't like TV shows, but I do like TV shows. And for anybody that's watching and listening, if you also like some TV shows, the Last Kingdom, like that show is what's up. Why, why is Uhtred such a lovable character? So, you know, that's an interesting question. Besides the actor <laughs> being gorgeous. <laughs> he ain't bad to look at, I'll say that. Um, I kind of like his no bullshit approach to life. Yeah. Like he's not gonna just lay down and take it, so to speak, right? Whatever disrespect he feels like is coming from the king or somebody who's above him. He knows his worth. He knows where he stands. He knows um, what he's going after in life, and he's not going to be stopped by anybody, no matter what their title is. Dude, I've seen so many shows, and I love the way you describe that because it's like that is the character. So this is a perfect, actually, spot to start this podcast episode and this conversation I want to have with you today about ego, okay? I specifically want to have a conversation with you about being a man. Not that you know it's like being a man, but you know about ego, you understand self-concept, self-identities, and the psychology of humans. And so it's really an honor and a blessing to have somebody as versed in this like you on today because you're so fascinating. Your understanding is so great. And I, even at the age of 38 and as a successful business owner, I still fail in my life and my business 
day to day, you know what I'm saying, in some capacity. And what I'm learning, Tracy, is a lot of that comes from repeat patterns or um, like cycles. They're cyclical. There's things I keep repeating over and over in my life. And so I'm going to get some free coaching from you today as I dive in and ask you some of these questions. But before awesome. we get into all that, before all of that, let's go back to my dude, Udred. I have a secret guy crush on Udred. And uh, let's talk about the show for a second. So for anybody who has never seen the show, it's called The Last Kingdom. It's kind of made up, kind of not. Basically takes place in old world when England was before England, right? right? And, it, and it, there was different, different areas of this English land that were kingdoms. And that's where the show starts. There's a king that rules all of them, and he's like this kind of an asshole. And then there's the lone warrior who just – He's a vagabond. He's a gypsy. And that is the character of Uhtred. And we follow basically his story throughout the five, four or five seasons that are, are there. So, Tracy, for those of us who do know what's going on, let me ask you, let's start with this, because that character is very, very fascinating. And I think one of the things that draws me most to the character of Uhtred is how grounded he is in everything that he believes. He's not easily swayed. So tell me a little bit about something like that. How do men or women in general, in your opinion, how do they become the Uhtred in their life? Like, how do you become to a place where, where you're not reactive to everything that happens, but instead you're, you're grounded, you're present, you calculate, and then you take a, a, an action? How, how do people actually get to a place where we can be that hero in our life? So one of the fascinating um, points about that character is that he's actually an orphan. He sort of essentially gets abandoned by his family and then gets adopted by another family and he has a lot of struggle growing up with his own identity with who he is and like his coming of age type story so i do think that part of being grounded is going through difficulties you actually made a post recently that success you can't be successful without that struggle there you yeah. have to have some sort of pitfall or downfall or a struggle that you have to come out of um and a lot of a lot of characters from that time period have similar stories yeah. where they have to um, once again remember who they are, <laughs> mm. where they came from. So I think that's first is yeah. remember who you are and where you came from, which is difficult for a lot of people because it's going to be different for everybody. And when we say focus on, well, I was an orphan or I was abandoned or I was traumatized or hurt or abused or whatever that becomes the program that becomes the story and that becomes the place from which we interact uh, with the world and so it's so we, almost like we can get stuck there yes yeah right Interesting. they get stuck in their pain instead of using that pain to elevate them to the next level right so Utrecht is a you think about him being sort of a hard ass right he will i mean he he like asked somebody in the back for cutting down a tree. So like, yeah, um, I'm not different saying, times. <laughs> but he went through a lot of struggle. He went through a lot of pain, and he kind of got this harder exterior where he was like, "No one is going to tell me who I'm not." Right? Like you said earlier, he's grounded in who he is, and he had to realize that at some point. Yeah, I love that. I love that you say that. And you shared something online, a quote earlier, and it's a good transition to this. Because, okay, great. Yeah, that does make sense. Like, don't forget where you came from. Use the pain and the struggle you've been through to fortify who you are and become who you want to be. Like, get it. Your message is your message. But what you said today in one of your posts was you can have more than you got because you can become more than you are. 
Right. So in your experience and opinion, then, if that is true, because you and I at this point in our lives, in our business journeys, our spiritual development, all these things, we realize that may be true even as we become. Mm -hmm. But what do you think keeps people so stuck in certain times in their life? Because you can have more than you've got because you can become more than you are. So, okay, cool. What happens when for the Uhtreds that don't leave that spot with the trauma, because I know that we'll go back and, and look at people and we'll say, oh, well, she's stuck, you know, in her high school days, or he's still stuck in, um, you know, his teenage time when he got hurt. So I, to you and I, we kind of get this, but to somebody who's listening or watching for the first time, what does that mean? And what happens to the hero when they aren't able to leave that trauma spot? How do they evolve or not evolve as they get older? Yeah, so that's a great question. I, and I think, um, People remain stuck because they're benefiting somehow, some way from the pain. And I know a lot of people do not like that answer, but the pain <laughs> benefiting them in some way, right? Being in that mud, because I'm going to tell you, as somebody who has to evolve on my own, especially in terms of relate, like relationships, specifically romantic relationships, um, it's difficult to look at yourself and say, I'm not responding. How I'm responding is a trauma response. I'm responding from a place of being stuck. I'm mm. a person from a place of pain instead of really seeing who they actually are and what they're actually doing in the situation. Right. Um, because it feels safer. It feels familiar. Um, a familiar pain is easier than an unfamiliar pain. And it really it, it hurts to look at yourself and say, now I'm the one causing pain. Right. Okay. Cool. So I, I, I know I asked you a, a deeper question, but I got to stop you right there because I want to unpack something for a second. Yeah. So as it applies to me, because what you're saying is very interesting. So first off is I hear you saying that and people who are listening or watching, like why, how are you supposed to have an awareness of where your patterns are at if there's nobody else? Like how do you do that on your own? The, and the reason I ask this, Tracy, is because I, I know now that there's no, there's no, there's no greater reflection of self than being in a relationship. Kid, having kids comes pretty close, but being in a relationship is like the ultimate reflection. 100% of the time, whether you like it or not. And what I, the reason I'm asking this question, I want to kind of dive a little deeper on this, is because even at this point in my life with all the things I've done and been through and the training I've had and all the things, I'm like, oh, I get it. I understand this. But I have found over the last couple of months that patterns are showing up in my relationship that are causing me to hurt Kirsty and also hurt myself when I'm sitting here going like, I'm not the problem. But once I began, had a different awareness because of Kirsty's reflection within that relationship, that container, I was able to take a step back and be like, oh my God, like this is a pattern that I keep repeating over and over and over again. So that long-winded question now back to Tracy, like how, how do you recommend people get unstuck if, if they don't have a support system or how can you do that alone? Because to me, it seems impossible. For me, it seems like I, I'm really good at staying safe and convincing myself with my ego that I'm doing the right thing. So what is the deal with that whole situation? Okay, so I have to say that I love that you brought up the word ego because I think that a lot of people think that their ego is the problem and it can be to an extent because it is what we identify with, right? So ego is how we identify ourselves how we create a separation between my individuality and your individuality. You are you and I am me, right? But our ego can also evolve. 
and especially in the context of a relationship, we have a shared ego. Yes, there's still individuality, but let's say you're married or even you have kids, right? You're now a spouse. That becomes a part of your identity. You are a parent. That becomes a part of your identity. And so your ego is actually wrapped up in somebody else in somebody else's ego and you become one with one another. So and is it, your ego all external? So it, it is and it isn't. So it's related to how you identify yourself. So it is your profession, your hobbies, your pets, your family, right? So um, family man is an ego. Pastor, ego, right? I'm an enlightened being is an ego, right? right? So we can't really get rid of our ego and I think we should stop demonizing our ego and tap into it who am i and how am i identifying myself and especially in the context of a relationship like you mentioned if i am in the context of a relationship this relationship is a part of my ego and my identity and my identity oh, oh okay but now we can have oneness and i can't hurt you without you hurting me Right. So if I hurt you, that hurts me. And if you hurt me, that should hurt you if we're in a relationship. Together. Right. Right. So this, this is one way to get unstuck is to determine how you're identifying yourself. I, I, I'm going to talk about myself for a second. Cause I used to identify a loner. And if I'm a loner, I don't trust anybody. I have trust Interesting. issues. Interesting. Right. So then I run from problematic, especially myself. If I'm the problem in the relationship, I'm going from that. I'm not the problem. I'm going to take off running. Um, or I might start trying to see the problem in the relationship so that I can run from it because I'm a loner. Right? So I'm going to do things and create things to establish my identity. Now, is this subconscious or consciously? This is both. conscious. We're not thinking about this. We don't have like a conscious conversation that... I'm going to create a problem so that I have a reason to run, right? So you could, so you could essentially do this without even knowing you're doing it at all. Yes, which you made this yeah. point here that you can't, especially if you have a relationship trauma, which most people do, right? Because yeah. we have trauma with our parents somewhere in our past, which is where normally our attachment style comes from, our traumas come from, and our unconscious habits and patterns come from childhood. And then we carry those things into adulthood. We've learned to survive by manipulating people. I hate to say it, but also lying, lying to ourselves, lying to other people. So we have to tap into this version of ourselves, become aware of the unaware. You said this last night, we don't know what we don't know, right? We have to become aware of what we don't know. That mm. we're and in the context of a relationship, that person can give you feedback and say, this is who you're being right now. And it hurts and it sucks. And you have to say, oh, okay, I am being this way right now. I don't want to be that way anymore. How can we together fix this? Right. And so what about separate of a relationship? Where does that reflection come from? Because what I mean, and the reason I ask is because, okay, single Marshall was having success in all the other areas. Mm -hmm. I know, I know now, I didn't know then, but that success wasn't what I really wanted. I was actually seeking validation and acceptance. And somewhere in my mind, I thought the more success I had, the more money I made, the more people I helped, the more people would love me because they would know that if I gave that to them, then obviously they'll give it back to me. And so I'm constantly going out, performing, 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 trying to find this feeling. 
all the while in here, I am completely unaligned. It's nothing but resistance and, and angst and worry and anger. But still, I was always able to justify that I was right. And now I can look at it back and I'd be like, it's almost like this, this righteousness. But I was so stuck in my trauma that I didn't even know I had trauma. And to me, I was doing the work. So I'm like, I'm not crazy, right? Like, I'm, no, I'm good. But I can so clearly now see that I was. So again, mm -hmm. another long-winded thing, like, okay, cool, separate of relationship. How does a, a man or a woman who's a go-getter and who's successful, right, mm -hmm. how do they become aware of their patterns? They know something's not right on the inside, but they literally are, like, too smart for their own good. So do you have any advice for how do we have those reflections if we're not in a relationship? How do you become aware of that ego when you, when you keep telling yourself it's not you? Okay, so I love this. First of all, I want to I want to point out that our entire lives are relationships. Even if we're choosing mm -hmm. relationships, we are everything in life is relationships. Yeah, and, and it, like it can go from a relationship between you and a friend, you and a coworker, you and your boss, your relationship with food, your relationship with driving, your relationship with traffic. Wow, everything is a relationship. Yeah, we are experiencing some feedback but i'm a lot like you though too if i'm single i feel fine i feel great yeah. i'm on top of the world i can do anything right but well yeah thing that feels like something's missing i'm not in full alignment so you and me we share we share a similar trauma it sounds like yeah uh, but if let's just say like for me the missing piece is a romantic relationship and i really want to experience that i have to heal in that context, in the context of a romantic relationship. That means finding a partner who's willing to be patient, who's forgiving. Uh, and now that means you have to do your work too, right? I don't get to just be an asshole and they just get to forgive me all the time. I have to let them show me, right? What you experienced in the past is not what's happening now. Right, and right. responding now, you're responding like you're in the past <laughs> and you need right. In the now, right now, and be with me here. So, it, essentially, depending on what you're trying to heal from or what you're trying to accomplish, um, if it's a relationship trauma, you do actually have to heal within the context of a relationship. You have to find you somebody have to, that's actually be, you have to be there working that's, with you. Yeah, that's so interesting that you say it like that. And, and okay, so let me ask you this then, because well, let me just ask this first now i'll get into the other question when i say trauma bonding it's a trending word definitely in the social media world amongst certain niches so tell me a little bit about what trauma bonding means to you or explain to our audience uh, what trauma bonding is in a way they, they we all understand it so a trauma bond actually that this is actually a little more complicated because a trauma bond happens literally between two people so this would be like me playing hot and cold with somebody right? For a few days, I'm, I'm on it. I'm hot. I'm, I'm loving this person. I'm appreciative. I'm happy. I'm grateful, blah, blah, blah. And then for the next day, I go cold. I don't talk to you anymore. I just leave you alone, right? Mm. And I, I manipulate your emotions in that way by giving you what you want and then taking it away and then giving you a little taste of what you want and then taking it away until you're almost addicted chemically to the possibility of receiving that thing that you want. Now, is that, is that narcissistic behavior and gaslighting or, or can it, can it be, and can it also not be? So 
it is typically associated with gaslighting, manipulation, um, narcissism, things like okay. that. We can do it to each other on accident as well. We're, so again, because a lot of us are operating from an unconscious place. We don't, right. we're not consciously choosing to treat somebody that way. Um, we have our own internal mechanism taking place. And again, becoming conscious and aware of that mechanism. I'm a runner. I'm going to run. I'm going to flee from the relationship, especially if it feels good. <laughs> I'm going to find a reason for it to not feel good so I can leave. So I can, right. be, so I can validate your belief in yourself. <laughs> right. And that's, how, that's what we do. And that's, that's what's so important for our listeners and viewers to understand is that part is done unconsciously. Right. Like that part is at a cellular level. So let me ask you this, and then we'll tie back into the conversation we were just having. Um, welcome to the Marshall Gillen Show, where we go <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> these ways, okay? Um, so real quick, uh, this is why I always identified ego. So I want to share this. I want to get your feedback on, on my stance on it, and then get back to what we were saying about trauma bonding. Why do most couples, most relationships in the Western world today actually have a trauma bond, and people don't realize it? Why? And then a little bit more. But to ego real quick. So the way that I, I always understood ego, Tracy, is that um, that our ego is basically like the 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 character that we have to that like in this game of reality, it is the character. Like our ego is just the meat suit, and I always say the ego's only job is to keep us alive. Like its ego's job is to help us stay alive in this game. As soon as ego is beat, the game is over, right? And so I'll be like, okay, so what we have to understand is that there's situations, circumstances that happen in our life. And when it's something that makes our ego feel threatened, like it's going to die, it does a timestamp on that memory, on that timeline in your life. And that's stored at a cellular level. So now what happens is that anger is actually a prerequisite to not, like, to, to not get it to, to survival. Like anger comes as a way to push away the things that your body timestamped at a cellular level at one time that said, run, you're going to die. So I'm four years old. I have that timestamp of that one time that my dad did this. And now subconsciously or unconsciously for the rest of my life, at a cellular level, my ego is making me run and avoid at any given moment because the identity in my head is that I'm not good enough and no, I can't really trust anybody. So is, am, I, am I on the right track there with what ego is to me? And is that why people do subconscious things like run when everything is okay. good? Okay, so I love this conversation so much. <laughs> I was like really waiting for it to stop. So, I, Please. so that time stamp that you're talking about is actually not the ego. Is that the, the ego is our consciousness. It's, okay. But it is our, our ability to become aware, right? So ego is awareness. Interesting. I'm aware that I'm Tracy. I know that's my name. I know that I have a past. I know I have a history, blah, blah, blah. The time stamp or the subconscious is called the id. I, that's the end. Yes. And the it okay. overrides the ego. It takes over the ego and it says, ego, I need to protect you right now. You, you Interesting. don't. So the ego is like, hey, I'm aware that I want love and I want to enter into a relationship where I can get an abundance of love. And wow. Then, well, that's been dangerous for us in the past. So maybe we should create a problem. So when the ego is actually in control, and a lot of people, again, this is why I say people need to feed their ego. Feeding the ego is becoming more and more conscious, more and more aware. Because wow. Because when it takes over the ego, we have no control. We're now subconscious. The body is now in control, not the ego. 
And that's why self-care practices are creating routines about regulating your nervous system is so important. So when we're in that fight, flight, or freeze mode, yes. we can have a more resourceful reaction or action after thought, and we're not living from that. So that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know any of this. Can I give a quick example? Please, yes. So let's say you are um, you're in a pattern. Like you're becoming more aware that, okay, I have trauma from my past. That trauma is related to this response, right? So I'm aware that I'm a runner. I've become aware of this. So when there's a conflict between me and somebody that I want to have a relationship with, I, I start to get those sensations in my body. The ego says, pay attention to those sensations. Where are you feeling that sensation? Let's write those sensations down. Let's write the thought process down that's making you feel sensationally what you're feeling. Interesting. So when it takes over the id, when it takes over the subconscious, we can actually gain control. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that we're gonna have an instant, like we're fixed now. Right, right. right? We have to keep doing this work over and over again. But the ego in my, in how I would like people to practice this is that the ego has the ability to tap into the divine. So it's like the connection the between connection, the, yeah. the ego connects you to God. The ego, because we're all, in fact, you know, we can go really spiritual here, but every single person is connected right. through that source, through God. And then we have the individual expression that manifests as Tracy or as Marshall right. or as whoever right. Is right. right now. Right. right. So then our body has this potential of taking over though and saying, I, I have to keep you, Tracy, safe from whatever it is that you, you don't understand right now because I've and experienced that, pain. That's the id. That's, that's the id. Yeah. Yeah. So I want people to feed their ego, and that's kind of what the whole egocentric podcast is about. Well, yeah. yeah this is why, okay, I'll get to the egocentric podcast. I'm sorry to cut you off, no. but, but the, the awareness that's coming to my mind is crazy. So because, you know, up, even up until now, it's like I think of self-love, and, and I, I believe even self-love, it's, it's super important. And I do love myself, all that. So what I'm saying is not that I'm not knocking it, but up until right now at this conversation, these 38 years, when I think of self-love, I'm like, okay, it's kind of like, kind of corny. You know, you got to love yourself. But really what you're saying is that to understand that your ego and these things that you feel are not something that's an enemy that are trying to stop you from what you're doing, but your ego is actually your friend. And when you can learn to love your ego as, as you would love somebody like a mother or a best friend or a spouse, really now we're actually able to love ourselves. And it's not Marshall Gillen that I'm supposed to fall in love with, but as much as this divineness, which is my ego that allows me to play the game and have a connection to God. Uh, that's, yes, I like that very much. So I did a, an episode one day about how if you're really feeding your ego and you're tapping into true, you're, you're actually making God very happy, right? Wow, because you're experiencing life, like, it's, it's like experience. You're bringing yourself to the now, you're living in the moment. You're giving presence right. to yourself, right, to the body. But and, and I like to say the ego is separate from the body. So when if, I, if I'm feeling some negative sensation, I get to pause and say, Tracy, why are you feeling that way? Where are you feeling that? Where did this come from? When's the first time you felt that? And I get to tap into my body because my body is not me, right? I'm the ego <laughs> inside wow. of the body, connected to right. You're blowing my mind. I literally had chills up and down my body while, while you were saying that. So let me ask you this then, because, uh, well, then where do we get to a spot? Because I know, uh, well, first off, time out. 
If you are not following Tracy yet, whether you're watching us here on Facebook, on YouTube, if you're seeing a clip on this on Instagram, do me a favor, go ahead, go find Tracy, follow her, check out the Egocentric Podcast. If you like this conversation, I'm a big dummy. So imagine what it's like listening to her have a conversation with people who are smart and know what they're talking about. If you go to her podcast and subscribe, you get access to great conversations, amazing insight, and lessons and stories that will literally transform how you are able to see yourself. For all of you people out there who are single, right, you don't have the reflection, listen to Egocentric Podcast because that is where the awareness is going to come in. You hearing that call to action is not by chance. You've been asking the universe for something very, very specific, and the way that is delivering that to you through Law of Attraction is through this podcast, which sounds like me telling you to go follow Tracy because the golden answers you are looking for are on that podcast. So make sure you guys do that. All right, so Tracy, let's go back to what we're saying about this is very fascinating to me. So now uh, let's go back to the relationship part. I believe, I, and we could talk about this for hours, right? There's so many layers to it. So we're going to move away from ego and id for a second. Let's go back to the relationship. I believe that in the Western society especially, and especially of people who are ambitious, a lot of people in relationships nowadays are actually trauma bonded and they don't even realize it. So why does that happen? I, we kind of talked about it, but why, at this juncture of the conversation, why does that happen? And how are you, how can it be fixed? Can it be fixed within a relationship? And if not, how do you know, how does, how would somebody even know if they're, if they originally trauma bonded or if they really love each other or can it be both? Excellent. Excellent. Um, I think it can be both in select situations um, and it can be fixed in select situations, but those situations require both people to realize um, it, it's usually one or the so one person is the, you know, it really starts with like a love bombing thing. You're getting everything you want from this person, everything you could possibly dream of. And then they kind of back and they give you what's known as breadcrumbs, right? They gave you a whole loaf and now you're getting one slice at a time, the crust at a time. And you're like, where did my person go? The person that I actually fell in love with, where is that person? Where did they go? How do I get them back? You can only get them back if that person actually wants to be the whole loaf of bread. They have to realize that they have done this to you, that they have um, switched up on you, right? Um, and they want to start going back to the behaviors that were loving, that were why you guys were falling in love in the first place. Um, I do think both people can kind of do that, right? Because we talk about this honeymoon phase, and this is right. Kind of one of the struggles I have in terms of romantic relationships is like, why does that have to end? Why do we have all of this amazing stuff in the beginning? And then over the years, it starts to taper off into like nothing. And now you're just bickering and arguing, right? Where are the gifts? Where are the date nights? Where is the praise? Where is the, the love that the two people were bringing to the relationship when they first met, right? Interesting. Yeah. They to just keep maintaining that of course there's going to be conflict you're not going to agree 100 percent of the time i'm not saying that it's all sunshine rainbows and butterflies 24 7 365 but if both people are interested in bringing that to the relationship as best as they can you're going to have sick days you're going to get tired you're going to get cranky you're going to have frustrations absolutely but if each person is dedicated to love and respect even in the moment of conflict which is a struggle for me I'm going to yeah. admit, first one to admit it, when there's conflict, that's when I'm like, oh, and you know what? And that's a problem and I'm out. Yeah. You can Basically. just, like, right, you can kick rocks. 
Even if everything else was wonderful, it took that one little, and I'm done. So that becomes so, a form of self-sabotage, right? What's that? Self-sabotage? Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that what that is? Okay. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, because there's a trust issue that this is all going to come to an end. And there's my first sign that it's about to come to an end. And so I'm just- I gotta before, leave. Before it gets bad, I'm just gonna walk out. Yep, yep. So if okay. both people are dedicated to, so let's just say me, I'm just gonna take myself as an example right now. If I'm dedicated to, I don't really wanna be that person. I want yeah. to be in that lovey-dovey type relationship. I wanna maintain those feelings. I have to recognize that I'm letting something small turn into a reason to run. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So I, to, I told you, I'm going to get some free coaching here. So let's stay on this topic and let's get even more specific with an example. This is me. You're talking about, this is something that Kirsty has brought, not, not as much anymore now in a year and a half, but in, especially for that first, like six to eight, nine months, almost like we had so much struggle because in her eye, I was not the same man that started dating her. And she was often referring to like, where is the man that I fell in love with? You're not being him. Mm -hmm. I am trying my very best to be that same man. I, in my mind, in my heart, in all the things, I'm doing all the things I can possibly do. But then we have a fight or something and I'll feel like um, she, this is it. She hates me. Like we're never going to be able to make this work out. And then I'll sit and I'll be like, okay, is this your ego talk? Well, I'm having a different understanding of it now, but is this, is this ego talking? Um, is this a lesson? Is it really me? So my question, and let's I keep unpacking this, is like, why do people do that? Why do I, why do I start off so hot? And then why, hot? obviously it's something within me. It's a disconnection of, uh, in myself. So why do men or women show, what happens? What the fuck is going on inside people when they do that? So I think, for you and me both, because we have another um, issue, is that we're not 100% committed. Always one foot out the door. Uh, give me one reason, I'm gone, and I don't need you. Kind of again, it's a safety mechanism. The body yeah. starts and, say, and says, "You've been just fine on your own. You've been able to succeed on your own. You don't need this, whatever this is, right? Um, it's a trust issue. It comes down to that as well. And so again, that's stored in the body. Yeah." We have to become aware of that where moment. exactly in our yeah, where exactly in our body are we feeling it? Because where in your body you're feeling it can indicate what type of trauma you had in the past that you are not addressing. Interesting. I mean, I know, I know that. Yeah, and I believe that. Mm -hmm. But still, I'm like hearing it back is like it's interesting. And and I gotta say to all the listeners, like, um, it's not all gloom and doom. Like, I here's not are so in love with each other and the caveat to everything we're talking about the reason that i can have this conversation is because both her and i are equally as committed to being with each other and and like tracy said in the very beginning like that that is the whole thing if both parties right. are not as equally committed to their their own self-growth then they'll never be able to be enough within the relationship because we can never love somebody else more than the capacity of which we can love ourselves we all know that and so I can't love Kirsty as much as I say I do if the person I think in my head is actually not the person that I keep claiming to be. And Tracy, we've talked about this a little bit inside of our inner circle. That's something that I had to deal with in, in this relationship is that I would say I was going to be one thing and then I would let other stressors kind of get me off my game and I wouldn't be showing up as that man. And then 
to my my woman, she's like, who in the fuck are you? And mm -hmm. then I'm like, who the fuck are you? You're supposed to love me and respect me and support me. And then we're like, yeah. Now, Kirsten and I have always been able to come back out of that because we love each other. We're dedicated to our bettering ourselves and we are committed to our communication. However, though, like when, it, when does a person, maybe somebody's in our situation that I'm talking about here, like, you know, in a relationship, right? Maybe somebody's in a relationship and they're hearing our conversation right now, Tracy, but they're saying, no, no, it's definitely her. It's not me. Like, <laughs> how, does a, how does a person then get to a point where they know what is what? It, mm. is they, are they able to arrive in some practice or through therapy or, or in your advice, how does a person know when it's you or it's me or it's time to go or time to stay? So, I mean, therapy people, I mean, everybody should go to therapy. <laughs> I'm just going to say that everybody should go to therapy because we all have some sort of trauma or some sort of trigger that we're, we're going to struggle with understanding it in ourselves. I am very much that person who was like, nope, it's you because it hurts to say it's me. It hurts more to say I'm not healing from something I need to heal from, right? It's like we don't want to stitch that wound. We just want to let it bleed out because that wound is there for a reason. It kept me safe for however long. It helped me become the person I am today that I now identify as, right? A successful, independent. I don't want to be independent, though. I'm going to touch on that in just a second. I want okay. to be dependent, right? I want the relationship. So I have this ego part of me that wants a relationship with another person. I want to be interdependent. I want them to depend on me and me to depend on them. I don't want to be hyper-independent where I'm doing everything on my own, that also, mm. but it's what I'm used to. It's what I've gotten comfortable with. It's what I'm familiar with. Um, my wound is an abandonment wound. You know, I have the, uh, I become conscious of it. It's the, oh, please don't leave me. And so, well, I'll just leave you then before you can leave me. I'm not going to give you the chance to abandon me, especially if things feel good. If this feels good, there's greater chance for it to hurt if you leave me and I don't want to experience that type of pain. I would rather experience it here at this baseline where I know I can be independent. I know I can take care of myself. Right. But if I get interdependent with someone. Interesting. So essentially, Oh, sorry. You froze. There you are. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so, so, so a second, Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say tapping into the ego. Cause I wanted to touch on, cause you said what really yeah. loving, really truly loving, Loving me as Tracy would be to sit with that pain, sit with that trauma and sit with it, not try to get rid of it, sit with it. How has it been beneficial? How has it helped me and integrate it? I'm not going to get rid of you completely. I know that you have a space here in my body and in my life to keep me safe. Um, but this new Tracy wants to experience interdependent love with another person. I think that's so brilliantly explained. And there's a couple things that, that come to my mind. The first thing is let's backtrack just a slight bit where I asked, okay, well, if I start off being this way in a relationship and then I fade off over time is what's really happening there is maybe that subconsciously I'm starting to distance myself from something like, does the honeymoon phase feel so good that subconsciously my trauma starts to separate me from it to a point where now I'm actually making 
things worse. Maybe, like I said, not knowingly, which is actually probably then a form of self-sabotage, which is going to cause the universe to actually bring me what I'm asking for, which is to reinforce the fact that I'm not good enough and they're going to leave me. Is that why people start to withdraw within relationships, do you think? I, I think that's a, a possibility for a lot of us, yes. I think it's a possibility why people create drama in relationships, right? I, I'm that person. Yeah. And I'm just being perfectly honest. Like, like yeah. I'm going to create problems that aren't really there or make things bigger than they really are in comparison to the good, right? Take this little problem, make it something it, much bigger than it really is so that I can justify the old identity. Yes. So, so theoretically, you, so theoretically, two people could experience a sacred union where it's the honeymoon, uh, honey, honeymoon phase always, I think, like present. I want to believe that. Right. Not that it's always like not happy because it's human emotion. I mean, it storms, nature right. storms. It's very violent and that violence recreates and renews. And so mm -hmm. I understand that that's part of relationally within humans as well. But, you know, it's interesting as we start to move forward, because I know a lot of people, they want to heal. And I think you mentioned something very interesting a second ago, and I like to touch on it. It's that healing is simply your capacity to hold pain. So you said, okay, become aware of it and then sit in it. <clears throat> That's something I've instantly discovered over the last two and a half years as I left San Diego, moved here to the mountains, spent a lot of time alone in the mountains, working with some plant medicine, but dissolving that ego or that filter and being able to sit there and understand like, wow, I have this, these, this immense amount of energetic buildup stuck and it feels like pain in my physical body. But the more that I've been able to sit with it, and what I mean for our listeners and our viewers when Trace and I are saying sit with it, okay, cool. Well, let's say I'm angry or let's say I'm anxious. Where do I feel anxious in my body? Okay, well, I feel anxiousness right here in my stomach. Okay, my general reaction to most people would be get on a, uh, my phone, go eat something, go work out, do a video game, uh, smoke, drink, whatever, go gamble, go distract myself from that moment. And what Tracy is suggesting is that when you are able to sit in the moment, because healing is your ability and capacity to hold pain. I have a cut on my hand, right? I can keep touching it, but doesn't, that's okay. doesn't heal it anymore. It just, I can just feel the pain, but I still have to sit there while it heals. And over time, guess what? It gets better. And so it's interesting for you to say that. Um, and I want to be respectful of your time as we start to come to the end of this podcast. But um, we've covered a lot today. And I think that the most important thing to understand is that one, before you can truly love yourself and find your ego, you've got to get to a point of becoming aware of the pain that you have. So, uh, yeah, I think you have, um, yes, you have to become aware of the pain that you currently have. Um, and you have to be willing to sit in a different type of pain. So for me, being independent, being this hyper strong, independent woman is a form of pain, right? Because I have to do everything. And when I have a yeah. with one of my friends, my frustration is I have to do everything by myself. Everything is on my shoulders. Nobody is helping me, right? This is a, a pain that I'm experiencing, but it's a familiar pain that I'm used to versus the pain of the mirror. Somebody looking at me and saying, is this really how you're going to treat me? Is this really how you're going to treat our relationship? Is wow. this really what you're going to do right now? Right. Is it away or cause a problem that doesn't actually exist? That pain is much different wow. than the pain I'm experiencing. And so I have to learn to sit in the fact that, well, 
I do have a tendency to push people away and that can be really harmful and really damaging to another person. When, I don't know about you, Marshall, but I know like hurt me all day long, right? Hurt me and I can take it. I can tell I've been stabbed. I have so many wounds. I, I'm bleeding all over the place. But to know that I hurt somebody else is a far greater pain, a pain I don't 100%. want to take, <laughs> right? 100%. I can't plunge the knife into somebody and be like, oh, well, <laughs> it, it hurts. It's so interesting, you know, cause you're absolutely right. That's so, that's so true. I think that's probably like a lot of human nature yet hurt people, people hurt people. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I know that everything in this physical reality is actually a reverberation of the thoughts and the feelings that I'm creating like a frequency. Like I know that. And so it's interesting because it's like, I know guys who will be making a decision about something in their life. And they'll say something like, well, I don't want, I don't want to be the person causing them pain anymore. So I'm just going to leave. Mm -hmm. So in a situation like that, how do you, how does the person know wh where the pain is coming from? Because I look at it and I'm like, well, you doing that, that's not actually going to fix that, that person's pain. It might hurt them more. Yet you're making a decision. So, and then the pain actually repeats. Mm -hmm. and so how does somebody know? No, how, how does somebody that do they just have to listen to the egocentric podcast like for days in a row and figure out how to do this shit? Yeah. So first become aware that you have a pattern, an unconscious, you have to become conscious of the unconscious that you have a pattern of doing something, whatever that is. For me, it's running for me. It's not, it's, it's a halfway commitment. If anything, I'm only fully 100% committed to myself. I can partially be committed to somebody else. Good ass point. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's my first, I have to become conscious and aware that this is the, my personal reality and that this pain comes from somewhere in my past and I have to be willing to do that work. Um, I will say though, a person that I follow, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Would oh, Joe Dispenza's the man. I love Joe Dispenza. Uh, he would have us not go into our past because of what you just talked about, a frequency. It takes us back into a really bad place, right? So I would say really focus on who you want to be. Yeah. Who is it that I want to be? The patterns, these old patterns are not serving me. This is not the person I want to be. This is not who I actually am. My hyper independent woman trait boss bitch is actually a Pain. trauma response from my right. past, right? I have to be then willing to get wow. comfortable in the uncomfortable, letting somebody help me, letting somebody else provide. <laughs> and for a hyper boss, independent boss bitch, Having someone provide for me makes me uncomfortable. Why are you doing that? What 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 are you trying to get from that? Right? That's who I'm engaged to. <laughs> so you know, it's both people. And so that that there's the other side. Both people, right? So maybe you're the runner. She's hyper boss bitch. Hundred percent. And, and 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 that's what's so beautiful about the relationship that Kirsten and I have is that you know pretty much every man she's ever been with in the end ran and left her hanging holding the bag, which is what happens to most women. The men mm -hmm. decide I'm leaving and then she's left with everything. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. has been a repeat pattern, you know, through the relationships that Kiersey's had. Now my repeat pattern relationships, is people tell me I'm one person and I change. And then they tell me I'm narcissistic and I gaslight. And I'm like, I am literally the most loving, compassionate, empathetic person in the world. Like I think nothing but the greatest things mm -hmm. of you. How would it even be possible for you to see me in that light? Mm -hmm. Yet, mm -hmm. almost every relationship that I've been in as an adult, same patterns. And so when Kirsten and I came together, 
there's the honeymoon phase and we love each other, but when our traumas start to show up as a reflection to each other, now she's obviously much better than me because she's more, I'm, well, she's a little bit older than me, but like she's experienced this and I'm just experiencing it all for the first time. By the grace of God, she has been patient with me and she hasn't just kicked me to the curb ever. Not that again, I, to people listening, it's not like it's been this crazy, oh my God, like these things. But what I'm saying is that these are real things that Kirsten and I are dealing with. And inside of our relationship, for the very first time ever, her and I are actually healthy in a healthy way dealing with it. And I'm realizing that, listen, not ever, not no two people are ever going to get along always, 100% of the time. And in that, in that moment when we're not, what's my trauma response going to be? Mm-hmm. Hers is, get the fuck out. I don't need anybody, which she has never gone to in our relationship. But that's always been her thing, she said. So for me to hold my tongue in certain situations, Marshall's hard. And mine is, well, if you don't want me here, then what's the point of me being here? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're yelling at me. You're saying all these things I'm not doing. So obviously, I'm not any good. So why why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's interesting because being with somebody that actually wants to get better and fix it, it's those two things came head to head. And I know a lot of people experience this in relationships. So we're going to finish up this episode here in a second. But before we do, I want to put that down. And I want to ask you something real quick as it pertains to this and something you mentioned earlier that can help people in relationships, you said something about attachment styles. So mm-hmm. this is something that, that uh, most people don't even know anything about, but it's so massively important. And a lot of times this is the great starting point for awareness is to understand your attachment style because it can breed a greater awareness to what it is that's going on overall. So can you just share briefly um, what is attachment styles and maybe a couple of attachment styles? Okay. Or the, 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 two, the two most common, yeah. most primary attachment styles. And then there are like little variations of these two. So the first one is the anxious attachment style. That's the please don't leave me. Yep. And then there is the, the and oh my gosh, it just left my brain. Um, the, avoid avoid, the avoidant attachment style. And this is the person that will just avoid intimacy. And so the avoidant typically got enmeshed as a child. They were given way too much responsibility. They were doted on maybe too much. They play, played a spouse to their parent. I'm not talking about sexual abuse or anything yeah. like that, but about like, you're the man of the house now, but you're eight. Yeah. Right? Like that sort of enmeshment will create avoidance. They're going to pull away from anybody who needs them right? But the anxious needs, and <laughs> we come from a very needy place of like, I need you, don't leave. And we become codependents. Um, wow. So codependency is also a little bit misunderstood, right? Codependent doesn't mean I depend on you, but it means I create a dependence in the relationship. Wow. So I need a relationship. I need you to not leave me. I need you to show up a certain way, which then we put people on a pedestal. We get ourselves in trouble this way too. Um, Wild. Show up that way. We get upset about it right you're supposed to be this person for me and you're not showing up that way and then it causes conflict um so but these two these two are attracted to each other because of the variation the avoidant actually wants connection yeah and the anxious actually wants a little independence okay so they see each other and they want each other and they're attractive to each other but then there ends up being a sort of cat and mouse thing where you're like chasing right pulling away and chasing and pulling away, which is a very unhealthy dynamic as well. Right, For me, right. as you mentioned before, I want the honeymoon all the time. Why does yeah. this have to end? It can yeah. be created. If we can all just be happy and in love all the time, we will be, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just so not realistic. Man, <laughs> this, has been, this has been fascinating. Let me, ask you, uh, let me ask you this. You said earlier this morning as well 
Success is something you attract by becoming an attractive person. So let's wrap up this conversation with that. Success is something you attract by becoming an attractive person. So to Tracy Taylor, you know, how can one become the most attractive person to themselves so they can attract the life or the career or the relationship that they want? How do you become an attractive person? What does that mean to you? So to me, an attractive person is someone who is truly in love with themselves. They are doing their very best to have the healthiest lifestyle that they can possibly have. And this, this is a vibrational thing as well. When you're eating good, you're on a higher vibration. Processed foods lower your vibration. We don't have to get into all that, but yeah. Um, so eating well, exercising, going for walks, um, be, spending time in nature, raising that vibration, watching what you consume. We were talking about, you know, Last Kingdom and watching TV, and I'm not saying you can't have any guilty pleasures. Right. But be conscious of what, what we're consuming. What we put in our mouth, what we put in our ears, what we put in our eyes, everything. Uh, and becoming the, you know, I'm not saying you have to be like me, a gym rat in the gym every single day, but you should have some sort of fitness goal. Again, this is a vibrational thing. Yeah. When your, your vibration raises, the, the healthier you are, the higher you're going to vibrate. So That's a fact. And if, and if you love yourself, you are going to be healthy. You're going to make good choices for yourself. You're not going to yeah. be fast food every single day you're not going to be drinking alcohol every single day you're not going to be uh spending an enormous amount of time indoors right you're going to want to get into the sunshine you're going to want to get your body moving you're going to want to feed it well 100 percent. and the more that you do that the better energy you have and the easier it is to show up and to, and to have awareness of these things and not only that but then to take these things head on to deal with them process them and then change the paradigm so wow this has been absolutely crazy to all of the listeners and viewers of this episode can you believe that Tracy is a full-time dog trainer? <laughs> full-time dog trainer, okay? So, uh, Tracy, hopefully in 2023 that uh, we'll see you bringing more of this uh, content and knowledge to the masses because with Egocentric, you're absolutely crushing it. Um, I love the conversations that we're having. This was so good for me. Like, thank you so much. I, I have so, and I have a million more questions. So we can shoot another episode if you're ever down. Yeah. Uh, we can do a call back here in a month or so. Because I have a good feeling that this one's going to get a lot of traction. What we've shared today is amazing. But uh, I'm looking forward to what you're growing. Is there anything you'd like to share with the audience before we hop off? Is there any last message that you'd love to give or anything that you'd like to tell? So I always end my podcast with um, Feed Your Ego. I know people have a really hard time with that. But what I mean is feed the identity you actually want. <laughs> feed into that identity. Wow. You want to wow. Lover, feed that lover side of you, right? It's like the, the, the black and the white wolf that live inside of you, right? You right. get to choose which wolf you feed. So feed the identity you actually want to identify with. Can I ask you one more question? I promise I'll end the episode. Are you on a time crunch? I know, we're good. Okay, <laughs> okay. You, had to, you had to bring that up. And I have to ask you something now because it's very particular to that saying. So for those of you who don't know, basically what Tracy's referring to is that there's an old tale that says there's two wolves that live inside you, a dark wolf and a light wolf, dark being obviously the kind of the negative heavy energy, the person you don't want, and the light wolf or white wolf being like the identity, the light, the love, the person you want to be. And the tale states that whichever wolf you feed the most attention and energy to is the wolf that's going to get the biggest. 
And so do you want the big bad wolf to be the identity that you keep beating? Or do you want the, the light and the love and this identity to be the one you're fat? Okay, so Tracy, my question to you is, <clears throat> I always used to believe that as well. But over the last couple of years, I've gotten to this point where, where I think um, if I only feed the good wolf, I know that in nature, that wolf will do anything to survive. If it's backed into a corner, it will do anything to survive. And in my past, when this wolf over here is fighting to survive is when the gnarliest shit ends up happening in my life because it's fighting for its identity. Mm -hmm. So do you believe that there's actually room for us to feed both wolves? And is it required for us to maybe feed that dark energy or find an outlet for it so it doesn't come out in other places? I actually really love this, and I think we could take it into the, the yin and yang as well, right? Because you have oh yeah, of the, course, and the dark. But inside of the dark, there's a little bit of light. Inside of the light, there's a little bit of dark. Little bit of dark. So, so even if you are feeding the light, the enlightenment, there's always a little bit of dark there, and that really is like okay for our spiritual gurus, right? You're still in your ego, even if you're enlightened, yeah. even if you're spiritual, you're still in your ego. And then the dark side is, you know, there is still that, that good in that person. And on another spiritual level, you know, biblically speaking, for example, yeah. um, the, the bad still serves a purpose. The bad, the, the negative, the darkness, it still serves a purpose. And there's still something good inside of that darkness. Your trauma, your pain, whatever it is you're dealing with. We talked about this a little bit earlier. It serves a purpose. It was there for a reason. It does exist for a reason. We should not be trying to snuff it out. We need to sit with it, get to Damn. know it, integrate it. Yeah. But in that process, we get to see that light. Yeah. So and that's like the beauty of life. That's that the, is that's that's the gift. Right. I was there's no other way for me to describe this conversation today other than delightful. I I, I literally this was a delight having a chat with you. I uh, I really really enjoyed this. Tracy, thank you so much for everything. Thank you for being here. Again, if you haven't uh, followed Tracy, if you don't know who she is yet, go follow her on your favorite platform or all of the platforms. That's what I do. And then go subscribe to her podcast, Egocentric Podcast. Uh, it's amazing. Tracy, you're amazing. Uh, I'm honored to be able to sit in show space with you. So uh, thank you. We'll talk Let's soon. Talk. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, y'all, that has been another episode of the Marshall Gillen Show. Hey, do me a favor. If you guys enjoyed this episode, leave me a review, leave me a comment. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast platform. I don't know when social media is going to ever take me down. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but you guys can always reach me at the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed and uh, be a friend, tell a friend. And if you're interested in coming on the Marshall Gillen Show and have a conversation with me, hit me up. Let's do it. Right after uh, Marshall commented about the two wolves, I thought of the yin and the yang. Uh, one of our viewers, Daryl, says, right after Marshall commented about the two wolves, I thought about the yin and the yang. Tracy right, uh, right away said it. So true. And Daryl, great point. And I love that Tracy brought up the yin and the yang because it is so true. And she said it in the very beginning. Without, like, struggle, you can't have success. So without the darkness, you can't have the light. And in that regard, that's exactly what yin and yang is essentially saying is that without one thing, like, without contrast in life, you can't have the other. I can't. Be good if bad doesn't exist because without the contrast, there's not even awareness to create good versus bad. And so a lot, last thing I'll say before we end this episode is a lot of us want to judge the, the, the things, the challenges that we're going through. We want to assign meaning to the pain. 
good or bad. We got to label it so we can judge it. And as soon as you can let go of the judgment and happen to assign meaning to every emotion, thought, and feeling you have in life, that's the moment that everything begins to change. And you start to understand that the gift of life is the contrast, right? The day that my life changed forever a couple of years ago, and I was finally able to let go of the toxins and start, finally start to heal myself, where I find myself in this amazing relationship with two little boys who have become my sons, who I love more than anything, with an inner circle of clients like Tracy, making money, literally getting to shoot podcasts and speak in my shorts and freaking Crocs. Like, what are we talking about? What life are we living? Okay. And so the reason I was able to finally call in the life and existence that I want and the reason I'm able to continue to scale that is because write this down. I find joy in the contrast. I find joy in the con contrast. So Curious and I were going through something a month ago and I'm sitting there crying. Like I'm down there on the couch crying for real. Like literally I'm crying on the couch and such. I'm so upset. I'm crying. But in that moment, instead of judging Kiersey or judging myself or feeling weak or feeling ashamed or feeling embarrassed, I instead, while I'm crying and feeling the emotions, I'm telling myself in my head, this is all part of the reason. Thank you, God. Thank you for this pain. Thank you. Thank you. And I know it may sound crazy to you, but when I'm able to do that, what I'm actually doing is something that's completely changed my life. And it's called I'm playing the conscious observer. So I got really good at trying to consciously close my mind and observe myself. So like, let's say I'm sitting here in this chair right now, what I'm actually doing as I'm picturing my mind, what the point of view is from me standing at the door over there and seeing Marshall on this podcast, lights it up. Like I'm an envisioning, I'm looking at me right now in my mind's eye. I'm, a, I'm consciously observing Marshall Gillen right now. Now, the better and the more often I was able to do that and the better I was able to get at the practice of playing the conscious observer, now when we go back to those moments of discord, of challenge, of angst, of pain, of anger, when I'm crying on the couch, yes, I'm sitting there crying, but the conscious observer in me is actually standing up here going, bro, look at you. You're really living life. Keep going, man. You're doing it, right? And so it's interesting because my higher self is saying, hey, good job, bro. Like, this is what life is about is experiencing the full spectrum of feelings and emotions because not wanting to feel sad or never wanting to feel angry is like saying, I never want to see the color red again, or God, I hate purple. Take that out of my, my vision. Like you can't remove colors from the spectrum of light and you can't remove emotions from the spectrum of feelings. Right? So understanding that the gift of life is to be able to see all of the colors means that you're alive. And it's the same with the contrast and the things in our life. So amazing conversation with Tracy Taylor today. I love that girl. Go follow her podcast. Thanks for listening to my show. I'm like, this is the dumbest show in the world. I don't know why you listen to it, but I'm super grateful you do. And I'll always be here to keep producing for you guys, sharing these conversations and turning messes into message so we can empower people just like you, just like me to go out and create the life, the businesses and the relationships of our dream. I'll see you guys soon.